You are listening to the sermon podcast of Redemption Chapel in Stowe, Ohio. For more resources and information, go to redemptionchapel.com. Because it's Baby Dedication Sunday, some of you might be newer to our church. and uh, So let me just bring you up to speed a little bit as we're getting into the Word right now. We're going through 2 Corinthians. That's a letter in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in ancient Corinth a church that he had planted, and then he moved on to plant other churches, so he's not there. After Paul moved on, that church became a dumpster fire. It was a mess. After some time, Paul wrote one letter we've studied, and after some time, these new guys roll into town. They're basically like false apostles, and they kind of want to take over that show. They want to run things. In fact, they want to be teachers, Every once in a while, we get somebody who shows up new to our church and they're like, yeah, I want to lead and teach here. I'm like, I'm sorry, what's your name? <laughs> I don't know you. you know. And uh, So they show up. They're, they're, they, not only do they want to teach, they want to charge money. So they want to make money off this in a way Paul didn't. So they have an agenda. They don't show up looking for humble participation and submission to the church and learning. No, they, they are thinking they are God's gift to the church in Corinth. And so what they start to do is they start to commend themselves and promote themselves and boast about themselves. They're putting themselves forward. They not only need to put themselves forward, but they they realize they need to put Paul back. (laughs) They need to put him down. So they're trying to drive a wedge in between Paul and this church that he planted in Corinth. He planted with the gospel that he received. As an apostle of Jesus Christ. So you understand, this church in Corinth is based, it's built upon Paul's apostolic authority. In fact, that's not just Corinth. Understand, that's the whole church, including us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. What it says there is that the the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone is Jesus, right? We know that. He's the corner. But it also says that the foundation is the apostles and the prophets. What's my point here? Listen, uh, when we read this letter, Pastor Jared pointed this out last week. Sometimes it sounds like the Apostle Paul is being defensive, right? It's like he's so defensive. Okay, you got to understand what he is defending. Their understanding of the gospel is intimately linked to Paul's authority as an apostle. They rise together or fall together. That's different for me. When I get defensive, I get defensive because I'm being defensive. That's it. <laughs> That's the entire story right there. Like, like, if you question my authority, the gospel will be just fine. I hesitate telling you that, right? But, but there it is. The gospel is going to be fine. It's not linked to my authority. But Paul, Paul's different. So yes, he's defensive. He is defending his apostleship so that he can defend the gospel so that he can bless the church. That's why. It's very important. Now, that gives you all the background, brings you up to speed. And now we are up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And we'll start with this verse right here. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Okay, so there he is. He's making reference to these 
Johnny-come-latelys who rolled into town and they're comparing themselves with each other and giving themselves airs, right? Paul's basically saying, look, I'm not going to play the comparison game. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to compare myself to those guys. That game is ridiculous. It is, look at the end, without understanding. In the Greek, the, the phrase without understanding, basically he's saying they are not right. Not the sharpest tools in the shed, right? Like these guys are not that smart. Let me ask you a question. Are you smart? I don't know what to say. (laughs) Uh, How do you know if you're smart or not? I did find a a solution. Uh, You know how like video games will advertise themselves on your phone at times? and, And so I screenshot this thing. And so it says, if you do this game and if you can get all the blocks in, eliminate all blocks and it means your IQ is 180. Let me help you understand something. Genius is 140. 0.4% of the population, like not 4, 0.4% of the population is 140 or above. Einstein was 160. I guarantee you, <laughs> this, this is low shelf to do this game. If you thought, well, I did that and I have 180, I have bad news for you. <laughs> like, like, no, that's not, it doesn't work. So, so if junk like this doesn't tell you how smart you are, how do you know if you're smart or not? You understand the whole question is based on comparison. I'm basically asking you, are you smarter than others or less smart than others? That's the whole question. So if you regularly hang out with some people who are less intellectually gifted, I don't know what the PC term here is, right? I know I'm not supposed to say dimwits. Okay, so we'll leave that. Okay, but if you hang out with people who are less intellectually gifted, you're going to think you're brilliant. Have you ever had the experience, though, where you think you're really brilliant and then you get around some real geniuses and you come away going, I think I'm a box of rocks. Right? Like, I, I thought I was smart, but now I know what smart people are like, and I, I've been there. I have absolutely been there. So what you need to do is carefully choose your measure, and, and that's a, a word that Paul uses there. They measure themselves by one another, right? So that's what these Johnny-come-latelys are doing in Corinth. They are playing the comparison game. Understand something. The comparison game is a losing game every time you lose. You have two possible outcomes to the comparison game. And by the way, we compare ourselves to each other all the time. You lose. And here's why. One result is pride. Okay. So, so what happens is I compare myself to someone less than me in order to puff myself up. I feel prideful. I feel arrogant. I feel judgy and I condemn them. It's option one. Option number two is I compare myself to someone greater than me, therefore I lose the comparison, and your result is discouragement. I I denigrate myself. I condemn myself. So here are your options of outcomes. Pride or discouragement. Yay. What a great game, right? No, it's a loser. It's without understanding. Paul's like, no, it's ridiculous. I'm not playing that game, right? Let me help you understand it by talking about hiking for a moment. Any of you like to hike? Any hikers? You know, experts say when you go hiking, you're supposed to take a buddy who is in less physical shape than you. Do you know this? 
It's because of the of bears. Right? Because you've heard the old adage, like, you don't have to outrun the bear, just your hiking buddy. Right? <clears throat> so there's a lot of wisdom in that. And, and, and the reason why is because bears are fast. What kind of bear is best? Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Those are my people right there. If you know, you know. I am about to sound like Dwight Schrute, but here it is. Black bears can average a top speed of 30 miles per hour. Grizzly bears, 35 miles per hour, okay? The average human being, 15 miles per hour. You will not outrun the bear. You will be barefoot. In fact, the fastest human that we know right now, Usain Bolt, 27 miles per hour. He can't outrun the bear. So if you go hiking with Mr. Bolt and you encounter a bear, you're in trouble. You will be the barefoot, right? So, so the trick is you've got to find somebody slower than you to go hiking. And that's the comparison game. If I compare myself to the bear or to Usain Bolt, I feel really slow. But if I get a, I don't know, fluffy hiking buddy, I don't know what to say, like somebody in worse shape than me, like that's, that's saying something, right? But if somebody in worse shape than me, and I, then I, and I can beat them. So now I feel faster or at least fast enough. And so notice this, my speed didn't change. My speed was the same. I just changed my measure of comparison and I tricked myself. And so that lacks understanding. It is ridiculous. And that is what those false apostles are doing. They're comparing themselves to each other. Paul says it's a stupid game. It lacks understanding. Now we do it all the time. We compare all the time. I want to beg you. Hear me, I'm begging you, stop playing that game. Stop playing that game. I'm, I'm going to give you three alternatives to comparing yourself to other people, right? Here's the first one. Compare yourself to Christ. Christ is the bear. Nobody outruns Christ. He, he, he wins every time. Now, if you want true understanding, true insight into how you are doing in life, compare yourself to Jesus himself, not to other people. Go for the real standard, the real measure, okay? Now, of course, by that measure, you will lose every time. Perfect. Because what that gives you is the gift of humility. Do you understand in the, the comparison game, it's pride or discouragement. We never go towards humility. You compare to Christ, you move towards humility. And with humility, then you fall into grace, not into condemnation. And then you, you realize that, okay, yes, I am a horrible piece of crap, but I'll tell you what, Jesus died for me. His blood covers me. He rose for me. I am now secure in my identity in Christ. My worth is secure in Christ. I stink, but God loves me. And now my heart moves towards rejoicing and worship. How often have you compared yourself to other people and your heart moves towards rejoicing and worship toward God, right? That doesn't happen. Now you're, you're rejoicing, you're worshiping, and you're in awe of how awesome Jesus is. So I want to be like him. Now you're moving towards growth. Man, what if you stop comparing to others, start comparing to Christ, humility, grace, security, worship, growth. That's where we want to be. Now, of course, when it comes to comparing to Christ, some things don't work, right? 
If you think about the things you compare with other people all the time, so, so who has the better car, me or Jesus? It doesn't work. Better house, who, who's got better hair? Who, who uh, is, is more ripped? Is it me or Jesus? Like it doesn't work, right? Maybe that's an indication. For the things that you can't compare yourself to Jesus, perhaps they're not as important as you thought they were. And yet those are the things we think are important. We compare ourselves on all the time. What if you compare to Jesus? Let him correct that. Okay, so that's, that's your first alternative. Second alternative is this. Compare to Paul. Paul is Usain Bolt. Paul can run. He's fast. He's really, really good, right? So what I'm saying is I want you to compare yourself to really mature Christians, some heroes of the faith, have some standard there. Notice the punks in Corinth weren't comparing themselves to Paul. They were comparing themselves to each other. Got to raise the standard. Like, Like if you do the comparison thing and you come away from that and you go, you know what? Wow. Like I am really hot crap. Aim higher. Aim a lot, lot higher, right? So where are you setting your sights? Who do you want to be like? Who are your heroes that you're trying to, who are some older, more mature Christians that you're trying to rub shoulders with in hopes that they rub off on you? Who do you hang out with? I'll tell you what, you want to know who you're becoming in life? Look at the media you consume and the people you hang out with regularly. That's the forecast of your future right there. Who do you hang out with? Who do you get some good running partners who challenge you, that they push you forward to help you run faster, not hold you back? Get some heroes to look up to, people who don't crush you and condemn you and discourage you, but they challenge you and push you on. So you can compare to Christ and you can compare to Paul. But then thirdly, Compare to yourself. And what I mean by that is what you want to do in life is you just want to get a PR, right? A personal record, your personal best. And I'm not talking about running now. I'm talking about running the race of life, right? Like growing in Christ. Like, could could you just try to be better? Like, I'm just saying, God, I know I'm still a punk. And I know I have so far to go. But could I just be better than I was a year ago? Could I be better than I was a month ago? Could I be better than I was yesterday? I'm just looking to set PRs. Just make progress. You're never going to hit perfection this side of glory. Could you set your sight? Just make progress. In that case, you are competing with yourself. I just want to be a better version of me tomorrow. That's it. Not, I'm not comparing to you. Now, if, if you can do that, then perhaps your life could look like this. See the one on the right there? I love this picture. Maybe you've seen this picture before. I love this picture. I can't tell if that's a little boy or a little girl on the right. Uh, it's a girl on the, on the left who got first place. But on the right there, you see that dude? That dude's happy. I, I, he got a PR. I don't know if like last time he didn't place at all. Maybe last time he got fourth place. Now he's like third place. Woohoo! He's like thrilled, right? Compare yourself to yourself. Just grow. Just get better. Just PR. After all, listen, folks, compared to Jesus, we're all losers. We're just all losers. But grace floods in, 
the cross, the resurrection, secure my identity in Christ. I'm not secure my, the, the color of my ribbon. No, it's my identity in Christ. And so I'm rejoicing. God loves me. I can't even believe it. And so I'm saying, Jesus, look what I did. And he's saying, good job, little buddy. Keep going. That's how I want to live life. Or, or, he could look to his right. And he could see that there's a little girl on the top of the dais who got first place. And he can do the comparison game. And in that moment, you know what will happen? Poof, there goes all his joy right out the window. So Teddy Roosevelt has that famous line where he said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. I don't want you to live like that. Not at all. Be free. And by the way, all that, that's just verse 12. And that was just verse 12. Now, what Paul's going to do next is he's going to shift from talking about comparison. He's going to start talking about boasting. And it's appropriate because we are all really good at boasting. We become more expert over time, which means we're more subtle and sly about it. But boy, do we boast and promote ourselves a lot. Right? Honestly, we do. Okay, so Paul's going to address that. Let's, this is the chunk of our passage. Here's what he says in verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence, <clears throat> excuse me, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Then he caps it with this. He says, Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. What Paul does there is he points out four problems in boasting. Four ways it is problematic, and I'll list them for you. The first one you'll see there is boasting in worldly crap. Now, you're like, I didn't see that. Um, do, do you notice Paul, he does, Paul does a little boasting there. We'll come to that. What he doesn't boast in is how he pimped his camel, right? Or the fly new sandals that he has. Like, there's none of that. In fact, he doesn't even boast about his own gifts. That's absent. He does talk about the fruit of his ministry. What's ironic is the, uh, the fake apostles in Corinth, they, they don't boast about their fruit because they don't have any. Uh, they have Paul's fruit. And, but what they boast about is their gifts themselves, right? Now, there's no doubt boasting and pride can absolutely be a problem still a problem, and we'll get to that in a moment. But catch this. It is at least a step forward for a disciple of Jesus Christ to boast in kingdom impact, in gospel mission fruit, and to boast in the things of Christ, not the things of this world. Okay, think about this. Paul could have settled for a cushy pastorate in Ephesus. 
Ephesus was like the, the large, stable church at the time. Paul's doing these missionary journeys. If Paul said, you know what? I'm not going out on mission. I'm going to be your pastor. They'd be like, that is awesome. Thank you. And so they'd take him like that. And Paul would have had a much easier ministry. He says, hard pass. And at great cost to himself, he says, it is worth it. Why? Because he wants to push the gospel. He got it to Corinth. And then he wants to push past them to Rome and, and then on to Spain. He calls it the lands beyond. Worth it because the gospel of Christ has to move forward. And he loves seeing God write stories of redemption. That's what he's all about. Not worldly crap. All right. So here's the thing. Paul definitely had a vision for the gospel expansion, for gospel impact. That fruit from his life. Here's a question. Do you? Do we? If your boasting were limited, the only thing you could ever boast in is how God has used you to advance his gospel, would you have anything to boast in? Ooh. Right? That's, that's hard. Listen, in a thousand years, that's all that's going to matter. That's all that's going to matter. Why are we setting our sights on anything else? So, so you see, Paul is boasting in kingdom stuff, not worldly crap. All right, secondly, uh, another problem in there is boasting in other people's work. The false apostles were definitely doing this. They were claiming Paul's fruit as their own, as if they did it. Let me ask, don't you hate when somebody claims credit for your work? All of us have had that, right? A boss, coworker, I don't know, somebody on the team, our children, they think they did that. Stop it, I did that, right? Like, so like, people claim credit for our work and we hate it. Okay, then never do it to somebody else. Never do it to others. I've heard the adage that a good leader takes less than his fair share of the credit and more than his fair share of the blame. And I think Paul knew that. And Paul lived that. So what if we, who are in Jesus Christ, listen, since you're in Jesus, you are 100% secure. You got, we're set. Jesus has us, right? So what if we went on a wild, reckless, generous mission to give praise away? What if this week you went out and you're just on a wild mission to just give praise and blessing and credit? You're just going to give it away like crazy. And then watch what Jesus does with that in your own life. It's pretty cool. But the second problem is boasting in other people's work. Now, even if you boast in kingdom things, and even if you avoid boasting in other people's work, you could boast beyond limits. And that's, that's the next problem. Boasting beyond your limits. See, the goal is to think accurately. You don't want to think too high of yourself nor too low of yourself. And so Paul is, is telling facts. He's like, yeah, we're the ones that brought the gospel to Corinth. We did that. That's just facts. It's not boasting, that's facts, right? So for you to help you understand that and feel that, let me bring it home to our ministry here. I'm going to give you two facts. I am the lead pastor of Redemption Chapel, and Redemption Chapel is going really well. Just facts. Are you ready for this one? Here's where we go next. I am so stinking awesome. 
can I just tell you? And the reason why Redemption Chapel is going well is only because of me. Does it just feel like somebody just boasted beyond limits? Hugely. I mean, hugely. It's way beyond limits in two ways. Number one, God didn't use just me. He graced me. He graced me with resources. We had a great launch team back in 2008 and gifts of money and low interest loans. There was all kinds of grace flowing in that, that I didn't do. And then he's graced me with an awesome congregation. People who love Jesus and love uh, people outside our church and you reach out and you've got great hearts and you serve and you give. Take that away. What do I have? Nothing. And he graced me with an amazing staff team. My job is easy. I lead champions. They're awesome. Do you know how easy that makes my job? They're great, great people. God graced me with great staff. Now, did he use me? Oh, absolutely. Yes, he's used me too in the midst of it. Okay, but hold on, hold on. (laughs) I am graced to exist. I did not give myself life. I don't know if you knew this. I do not give myself breath every day. God does that. He gave me me grace to hear and receive the gospel so that I have salvation and forgiveness for my sins. If not, I would not be here today. He gave me great examples of how to do ministry and great teaching into my own life. And sometimes all I'm doing is passing on to you what I've heard from others. I was graced to receive it. That's it. He gave me grace to marry a really good woman who loves him. And I'll tell you what, you take her out of my life and my ministry deflates significantly. That's just grace. I've been graced to receive education, including seminary. I've been graced with gifts. Do I have some gifts that I'm using in the service of God? Yes. Did I give them to myself? No. Could they go away tomorrow? Yeah, listen, I don't like my own voice, but I know I use my voice all the time in ministry. God could give me some disease, some cancer. I could cease speaking tomorrow, and it's done. The only reason I minister today is because God decided. It's grace. That's it. He's given me leadership opportunities that are way beyond me. I'm like, what are you doing, God? He's like, I'm going to make a sacrifice in my kingdom so I can train you up. Way beyond me. He gave me grace throughout the decades to cover my many, many mistakes. You understand it's grace, 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 grace. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? It's so true. God has been gracious. He is the giver. You take away any of those many things that I mentioned, just one of them. And I'm done. I'm just done. And then the silly temptation is to go, look what I built. It's ridiculous. Do you think God could do it without me? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Think of this. Right now, Jesus is planting and growing churches around the globe. How's he doing that without me? Before too long, God will call me home to glory. Can't wait. Take me home, Jesus. I'll tell you what. When I go, well, shoot, what's God going to do then? I mean, he'll be left in a lurch, won't he? See how ridiculous that sounds? That's just absolutely silly. Okay, good, good. What about you? 
God has gifted you to do good for his kingdom. And I want you to be a big, big fan of God's grace and God's provision. Not a big fan of your own awesomeness. You just receive that as a gift, okay? Don't boast beyond limits. In fact, a great way to keep that one in check, the third one there, is the fourth one. In the fourth one, the, uh, the problem of boasting is boasting in anything other than Jesus Christ himself. In verse 17, that is where Paul said, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Actually, that is a reference to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, and that's why it appeared in quotes when it was in 2 Corinthians. And here's what that says. Thus says the Lord, let not the mighty man boast in his, excuse me, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Now notice something from these verses. It's not that the wise man wasn't wise. He was. It's not that the mighty man wasn't mighty. He was. It's not the rich man. He wasn't rich. No, he was. The problem was, in all those cases, three things. One, they found their identity in those gifts. Two, they didn't think it was grace. They think they developed those things on their own instead of receiving them. And then third problem is their view of the greatness of God was eclipsed by their view of their own greatness. So they boasted in those things. But what if, just what if, we understood and knew the greatness of God. He is holy and righteous. And, and boy, we should be undone. But, but he's also loving and gracious and merciful. He's an amazing God. And we're in awe of him. And so we boast about him incessantly. I'm not saying we get all preachy. But we're in awe of him, not of ourselves. And we talk about him, not about ourselves. Wouldn't that be a switch? Luke 10, there's an example of this. In Luke 10, what happened is Jesus took 72 disciples. He put them in pairs and he sent them out to, he said, hey, what you've seen me doing so far, I'm preaching, I'm healing, I'm casting out demons. I want you guys to go do that village to village. Go. We can do that? Yeah, go. Right, so they go and they kill it. It's amazing what they saw happen for Christ. They come back to Jesus and they are just flying high. Jesus, you should have seen it. We saw Satan fall from heaven. Like it was crazy. Do you remember what Jesus said to them in verse 20? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let me tell you something. I deserve hell, period. I deserve hell. I cannot believe that he chose me, that he graced me, that he adopted me, that he will take me home to him someday, that he let me in his church. I cannot believe it. I am so grateful to the sovereign, omnipotent, gracious God. And I want to spend my life boasting about him not myself. If 
you're going to boast, boast in Jesus, in his cross, in his grace to you. Boast in the Lord. See, folks, our constant boasting is really just bluster. It's bluster to cover up our insecurities. We don't like to admit that or talk, but you are just wildly insecure people like me. And we boast to cover it. I wish God would free you from that. That you could be free in Christ, free from your boasting. Well, there's, uh, there's one more verse that he throws in there that's relevant. He says, verse 18 here. He says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. See, I, I'm guessing that you hate boasting and pomposity and arrogance and self-promotion in others, right? But you do it yourself. And you do it all day long. I think in one way or another, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, we are on a mission to promote ourselves. Let's be honest. That's, we do it all the time. We give it so much energy. And in our little ones and kids, it's so obvious, isn't it? Mommy, look at me. Daddy, look at me. Look what I did. Look what I did. And then as we get older, unfortunately, we don't get more mature. We get older, we don't grow up. And what happens is we don't actually step away from self-promotion. We just become more expert at it, more sly and more subtle, more smooth. We do it just as much as a five-year-old. We're just better at it. So we're, we're consumed with this comparison game and boasting and self-promotion. And in the midst of that, Paul throws down a trump card. Boom. And what he says is he's saying all of this betrays our inclination to seek approval from human beings rather than from God himself. That's the problem. I mean, how sad to go through life commending yourself only to get to the end and not be commended by God. You understand a day is coming, you will stand before Jesus. You did not hear me. I'm going to say it again. Listen. There is a day coming you will stand before Jesus. What else matters? What else matters? And if the Lord would commend you, who gives a crap who else commends you? What does that matter at all? I mean, not at all. What if you shifted all that emotional energy you pour into commending yourself to other people? What if you poured that into seeking the approval of God, caring about God's approval? Do you know how stable and solid and secure you would be? Because it comes to you by grace, not by earning. You, you would be so secure in Christ. Then you go home one day and hear from his lips, well done, well done. Ah. Listen, your inclination to seek approval from human beings instead of from God is wrecking your life. It's wrecking your life. And God would have you be free from that. I want you to daydream for just a moment what it will be like for you tomorrow to live the entire day just looking to the face of God for his approval, not to human beings. Wouldn't that be awesome this week to get that monkey off your back? In fact, do this for me. Bow your heads right now.
Close your eyes. And what I want you to do in your mind's eye is I want you to picture all the people that you regularly seek approval from. And you do. Friends and boyfriend, girlfriend, your spouse, your parents, your kids. Maybe a pastor. Teachers, coaches, employers. I mean, there's all this, this whole crowd standing in front of you that you live your days seeking their approval. And here's what I want you to do. In your mind, in your heart right now, I want you to turn your back on them. And I want you to look directly into the loving, gracious gaze of your God who loves you, who sent Jesus to die for you. And I want you to spend your life, I want you to determine in your heart right now that you will spend your life seeking his approval. Caring about what he thinks, not the crowd that you just turned your back on. And Father God, I admit before you, that's really hard for me to do. That's hard for us to do. And I ask your help and your grace to get that done. And we pray for that in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redemption Chapel. Go to redemptionchapel.com for more resources and information.